Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday the 2nd of April and this is your FT News Briefing. Coming up today... Parliament has spoken. Without saying anything at all, MPs rejected every single proposal on a way forward for Brexit. So how can the UK break the deadlock? Our parliamentary correspondent has the details. And the long-awaited initial public offering of ride-hailing app Lyft shifts into reverse in only its second session. I'm Daniel Winter and here's the news you need to start your day. You'd be forgiven for thinking that yesterday was decision day in Parliament, but not so. MPs could not find consensus on any of the options put before them. To avert a no-deal Brexit in 10 days' time, will the government be forced to call a new general election? How about a second referendum? The options are rapidly running out, as our parliamentary correspondent Seb Payne explains. Westminster has been voting on Brexit once again. On Monday, British MPs showed they are very good at saying what they don't want about Brexit, but not much good at saying what they do. MPs held the second series of so-called indicative votes where they were trying to show whether there was a majority for a different form of Brexit to Theresa May's offering. This included a second referendum, revoking Article 50 and stopping the whole thing, a permanent customs union with the EU or staying in the single market. Yet, contrary to what was expected, MPs showed there was no majority for any of those options. And this was mostly thanks to the Conservative Party, of which only 37 of its MPs backed staying in the customs union and 34 within the single market. Although the Labour and SNP and Liberal Democrat MPs showed they were willing to compromise and show different options, the Conservatives are very much staying behind Theresa May. There were dramatic scenes in the House of Commons as Nick Bowes, a moderate Conservative MP who was backing the single market plan, known as Common Market 2.0, stood up after the vote to announce he was leaving the party. He was very disappointed about the lack of compromise from his colleagues and crossed the floor straight away to sit as an independent opposition MP. So, once again, where does this leave us? In a way, this does help Theresa May because it narrows the choice between her deal, which she may try and bring back for a fourth time this week, and a no-deal Brexit, which could happen next week on Friday. The Cabinet will meet for a marathon five-hour session on Tuesday morning, where they're expected to consider all the different options, whether they should seek a long extension and participate in European Parliament elections, whether to have one more bash for getting that deal through, or whether to pursue a no-deal Brexit. That would be the favourite of many Conservative MPs and activists, with 170 MPs and sitting Cabinet Ministers signing a letter to the Prime Minister saying the UK must leave on April the 12th with or without a deal. But the House of Commons has shown that it is unwilling to see that happen. So once again, Britain is in constitutional stalemate. Nobody from Downing Street to MPs to the leaders of all political parties has much idea where this process is going next. But MPs have had their turn to say what they want and the answer was a collective shrug of the shoulders. That was the FT's parliamentary correspondent Seb Payne. To keep up with all the twists and turns amid the Brexit chaos, you can find our insight and analysis, as always, at ft.com and on our mobile app.
The ride-hailing app Lyft went public last week, stealing a march on its larger rival Uber. What looked like a successful launch soon turned sour. The stock wiped out all the gains since its listing, and that in only its second session. So what went wrong? Joining me now from our New York bureau is our U.S. capital markets correspondent, Richard Henderson. So, Richard, let's start with that question. What went wrong for Lyft? Basically, the analysts I've talked to today are revoicing, if you like, the concerns over profitability. And this is one of the main uh, issues that Lyft is facing. Uh, I think its uh, its losses for 2018 climbed 30% to $911 million, uh, and its revenue is about uh, $2.16 billion. So it's losing quite a lot of money, and some analysts think the path to profitability is a long way off. Now, there's a bit of uh, debate over that within the analyst community. Some are a little bit more optimistic. Uh, one guy I spoke to uh, believe that there is a, a sort of narrow pathway to profitability by 2022, so a few years away, uh, if they can cut costs on things like marketing and technology as they put more, um, get a bit more scale and put more tech in the cloud and that sort of thing. Uh, but even then, it's a very narrow path to profitability. So that, I think, was the real question. And so with such a strong uh, showing on Friday, with the stock really popping, uh, we did see investors uh, who were early into that trade want to cash out and, and gain a little bit of, uh, of the, the profits on that momentum. Uh, so that's really what we saw. We also saw a bit more activity from retail investors. Okay, so from retail investors, you mentioned that. So this isn't a niche business. Lyft is a company that's well known among the American public. So tell me more about the role that retail investors played here. That's a great question. So retail investors, they really help uh, an IPO sort of pop is the, the term everyone uses when, you know, it lists at a certain price and then moments later it can be, uh, you know, uh, sort of 10, 15, 20% higher. I was looking at Alibaba's uh, first day of trading and the stock went up something like 38%. Uh, and it's really the names like Lyft uh, that are, you know, very much in the public imagination that retail investors come in uh, and buy up uh, and they're not as sensitive to prices, maybe more the professional institutional uh, investors are. So they, they actually add a, a lot of thrust to, to a listing. And that's something that bankers have told me and, uh, and various analysts as well. And how does this all bode for Uber, which is also seeking to go public this year? Well, that's the big question. That's going to be a, a mammoth uh, uh, listing. So if we think about the market capitalization, Lyft is uh, sitting at around $22 billion now with the, with the stock sort of coming down um, on, uh, on Monday. And um, uh, Uber is uh, sort of aiming for a $100 billion uh, valuation. So it's, it's, it's the dominant industry player. Uh, what does this mean for Uber? It may indicate a little bit of uh, sort of apprehension or confusion about how to invest in the sector, um, but it's probably the, the, the analysts I've spoken to aren't that convinced. They think these are very different businesses um, and that uh, Uber actually gives exposure across geographies. So it's got a bigger geographic footprint than, than Lyft, which is a bit more of a nimbler sort of rising player. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a casting a shadow, but it doesn't necessarily mean uh, Uber is in any danger at the moment. And who knows, by the time Uber goes public, maybe Lyft will have turned around its fortunes by then. We'll just have to see. Richard Henderson in New York, thank you very much for that. Thank you.
And that's all for this edition of the podcast. Remember, if you want more on any of the stories that we've covered today, just go to ft.com or check out our mobile app as well with the latest from business, politics and everything in between. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.